0: Live from the 607, it is the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking sports locally and nationally. Why don't you join in the conversation with the hashtag ODPH. Here we go. Welcome to another edition of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, hashtag ODPH podcast. I am your host, Ken M. Seeing across from me this week, as always, it's Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot to discuss in the land of sports. Let's waste no more time, shall we? Hit us on that social media hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Join in the conversation because, hey, we want to hear from you. And what bigger story is going on in sports then the nba finals Ooh. games one and two are in the books and mm-hmm. did they go the way we thought pad
1: uh you know what i had a feeling golden state had pull at least one out i wasn't sure if they were going to pull both of them out but i was a little surprised to see uh toronto pull out the game one win
0: yeah this one definitely threw me for a loop as we talked about on the last sports podcast we thought golden state was going to run away with this i was saying it was going to get lucky if the Toronto had won one game. And they decided to prove me wrong. Mm-hmm. So shout out to them for game one. T- T- Toronto was ready to go. Like yeah. trying to describe the atmosphere for that game and the fans up there is very tough to say other than just simply electric.
1: Well, and you really think about it, okay, yes, they had the playoff game a couple of years ago with the Toronto Blue Jays and the Texas Rangers, but realistically, you think about it, the last championship game they had up north of the border was obviously you had, uh, who was it, uh, Vancouver a couple of years ago at the final the Stanley Cup Finals, if I'm not mistaken, and then before that, for Toronto specifically, it was the Toronto Blue Jays in the World Series back in the early 90s.
0: Right, Toronto has been ready to rock and roll, and they were welcoming everybody to the nba Uh finals and they were they have been a great crowd to watch too as as watching as spectators here but when we get down to the game toronto decided hey we're not buying into the golden state mystique no Kawhi leonard is playing like the superstar he is Mm -hmm. and they stole game one yeah what was the score, Ped?
1: Uh, final score was uh, Toronto Raptors had 118. Golden State had 109. Uh, you mentioned Kawhi Leonard. He had 23 points, 8 rebounds, uh, and then 5 assists. But star of the game was Sikhaim, apologies if I uh, butchered that name, with 32 points and 2 of uh, two for 3 from the 3-point range. Kawhi finally got some help. Mm-hmm. That was the biggest
0: issue we are saying. Who was going to step up yeah. and do it? And finally, somebody decided to take the reins over. Not that Kawhi needed it. No, he didn't. But if you're going to be Golden State, Kawhi cannot do it by himself. It's Let's just say, n-
1: twenty points also for Marcus Ald doesn't hurt.
0: Right, but at the, this is what I'm saying. They needed role players to step up and yeah. step up big. And if they didn't, guess what? They're going to get ran out of the gym.
1: Yeah, it's like we said. You know, okay, you. Golden State's going to work on shutting down Kawhi Leonard. Somebody else is going to have to pick up that load because if if Kawhi's got a double team on him, hey, somebody else is open. Get it to him.
0: Exactly, and that's what they needed to do because if Golden State is going to be playing without Kevin Durant, Toronto needs to capitalize on these games
1: well and especially Kevin Durant isn't going to play good and the last I read I think he is still questionable for game three I don't think he's been entirely ruled out I could be wrong on that but then you also look at the fact that there were reports coming out during game two which we'll get to in a little bit that Steph Curry was playing sick and then you have uh, Clay Thompson with his hamstring injury and you know I've I've, you know uh, pulled the muscle in my hamstring a couple times the way he was limping did not look comfortable no it did not
0: and this is going to be an area that is either going to hurt or, or hamper gold, or Toronto's chances of winning and either what I'm saying hamper they still got a shot hurt yeah this is something that it, when the star players are getting banged up for Golden State is horrible to see I am not rooting for this I'm not rooting for anybody to get injured but if you're Toronto you need to capitalize you need to take full advantage of this You have to play with the best team on the court, and you have to show that you're the better team because Golden State is showing any signs of possible weakness. And obviously, due to the injuries that happen, there's an opportunity. I'm not saying I'm rooting for this because I'm not, because I want to see the best team face the best team, and who wins, that's what we should be doing. And if Kawhi is finally getting some help from Siakam and – Gasol and Van Vliet, This is where they need to step up and impose the will because Golden State is still going to put up numbers. Yeah, you still have Steph Curry on the court. You still have Draymond Green on the court. They have arguably the best six man on the game with Andre Iguodala, and if he's mm. still, if he's somewhat healthy because he's playing banged up too. Right. If that Golden State monster is still rolling, you need to take advantage, and they did game one. So the momentum was definitely in Toronto's favor. And I know there was a lot of nonsense about, oh, Drake got in Draymond Green's face after the game. Drake is a fan. Yeah. Why are you letting him get in your face? And let alone if you're Golden State, are you really concerned with what he's doing on the court? No. If you want to shut him up, beat Toronto. Yeah. He has nothing to say then. And they decided to take that advice, which was smart for game two. Mm -hmm. But albeit, though, it did not come easy. No. As we break down game two, Pat, Toronto showed up early in that first half, and they were up by 12 at one point, if I am not mistaken. Yeah, it was something like that. So when you were up that big on Golden State, you have to keep the pressure on. You can't give them an inch to come back in. But unfortunately, as they neared the end of the second half, they only had a six-point lead. Mm Mm-hmm. To come out the gate the third quarter,
1: Golden State ran Toronto out of the gym. See, it's like the old saying goes, give them an inch and they'll take a mile. Toronto gave them an inch, and I'd argue they gave took three miles.
0: Toronto didn't score till five minutes left in the quarter. Yeah. When you have a scoreless streak like that, and for whatever reason, they were pulling up for threes left and right mm-hmm. instead of driving to the hoop. You played right in the Golden State's hands.
1: Well, you see that a lot in other sports, and this isn't making any excuses for them, but, I mean, you see it a lot in, in both professional basketball and college basketball. You get a team down late. They're not scoring. They're not doing what they should be. You got, And you see it in baseball, too. you got guys wanting to be the hero. They want to hit that three that brings them back in. it. You want to hit that home run that really brings you back in it. And everyone falls you know, trapped to it. You fall trapped to it, but at the same token, you gave the lead back. Mm-hmm. You
0: didn't need to start shooting threes because you weren't getting down by 20 at any stage. You just needed a quick bucket, get a point on the board, build the momentum back. You needed to stop the bleeding, and you didn't. And that is where Golden State took over, and you played right in their hands. They have been here before, folks. Mm -hmm. They're not worried about losing a game. No.
1: But you gave them game two. You literally gave him game two. Yeah, no, you you gave him game two where, again, didn't have Kevin Durant. Clay Thompson left at some point in the third quarter with his hamstring injury. There were reports saying Steph Curry was playing sick, you know, echoes of the Jordan flu game type of deal. And then you also have Kevin Looney, who fractured his collarbone and is out for the NBA Finals now.
0: Right. And Iguodala is banged up, too. Yeah.
1: So you have your prime
0: opportunity of your Toronto. These are the the cards that are dealt on the table. This is where you need to take advantage of.
1: And I know DeMarcus Cousins played 28 minutes in game two, but he's still coming back from an injury. They're going to be very careful with how they're playing him. Right. But Cousins on the
0: court is a huge feather in Golden State's cap oh, at yeah. this stage. Oh, yeah. Because if you don't have Durant, and by all means, it's he might not play this series. I'm starting to get the feeling he's not. I'm getting the feeling he's not either. So if you have a Kevin Durant-less Golden State team, you have a pretty even matchup. Not to say that Curry is not great on his own, because he is, let's face it.
1: The man's a walking video game.
0: But if you say who is the best player on that roster right now, if everybody was healthy, who do you take? Uh, Kevin Durant. Right. So to say that the best player is not playing... You have Curry, so it's basically him versus Kawhi for your superstars. Mm -hmm. Who else is going to step up? I did like seeing Van Vliet show up for this game. Yes. And it definitely helped down the road because Toronto came back. Golden State didn't close them out, which I was kind of surprised at. But they let it get very close right to the end. But this is where your senior leadership takes over. Mm -hmm. And when you have a veteran like Iguodala, who was an MVP of the finals a couple years back. Yep. He has been down this road before. He knows his role on the team and he even said in the post game, "I'm here to protect Steph's legacy." Mm-hmm. They get this because I think for the veteran players, they know the team is going to get blown up next season. Yeah. Not because they want to or they should, but let's face it. You've all you've heard this off season, including on shows like this. Kevin Durant is going to New York. Uh, well, he's going someplace. Let's face it. He's
1: going somewhere,
0: but uh, like I said, he's going to be a Nick next season. My own official opinion.
1: Clay Thompson, you don't know where he's going. It's a 50-50 split. I mean, I need a couple quarters before I make a decision where he's going. Right. But you have Steph Curry who's still locked in. Yep.
0: You have Draymond, I believe, at least for one more season. At least, yeah. At least unless they decide to rework a contract next season you still have some players that maybe are seeing this is going to be the light at the end of the tunnel.
1: say so you've also got DeMarcus Cousins who's playing on a one-year contract.
0: Right. So who knows what he's going to wind up doing next season. Yeah. There's so many X factors involving this team and what's going to happen. But Golden State knows this. That is the key factor. They know this is their arguably last shot as the current team that they are. How are you going to go out? Mm-hmm. And they showed Toronto, who, let's face it, you got game one. Congratulations. You did. But you didn't close out game two. So when Golden State wins 109-104, to Mm -hmm. Golden State showed how they came back. Because, granted, Toronto did scrap in the fourth quarter. Oh, yeah. They made it very close. But when Iguodala got the ball, he closed it out. Because at that point... It was only a possession game away from being tied up.
1: Let's we'll say that wide-open three he had late in the game and not a defender in the same zip code to even come try and contest that.
0: Right, and this is where that veteran team comes in because everybody as is watching at home knows, okay, if the game is on the line,
1: who are they going to?
0: Everybody knows it's going to go to Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. If Klay Thompson's not on the court, who's the best shooter on the team? Curry. But Dalla can still shoot.
1: Mm-hmm. It's something a lot of people forget.
0: He might have a bad hip or leg or whatever the injury is, but he can still pull up and drop one if he needs to. This is where Golden State gets you. They have so many weapons on the court. Who do you stop? This is why you need to play defense for the entire game.
1: And it's like we said on the last show. Okay, congratulations. You shut down Steph Curry. All right, now we're just going to feed the ball to Klay Thompson and get the ball to Klay Thompson going, okay, Congratulations. Curry's not shooting, and now you shut down Klay Thompson. Oh, hey, we've still got Andre Iguodala, and we still got Draymond Green. There's plenty of guys that they can just flip the switch, change what their game plan is, and adapt as they go better than anyone in the league.
0: Right. This is where it gets real crazy because now you're going to Golden State. The series Mm -hmm. is tied up. Who is going to be the X Factor for this game? Boy, I don't know. Because Siakam had a great game one, didn't have the, the greatest game two, 12 points. Kawhi put up buckets. He was scrapping the entire game. You need a game out of Danny Green. You need another Van Vliet showing. I mean, Van Vliet put up 17. You need somebody to help take the pressure off. Because if you don't, this is going to be a very short game. Because Mm -hmm. Golden
1: State at home is a totally different animal than
0: Golden State
1: on the road. It's a Golden State at home where, like we said before, this is the final postseason run for the building they're in. Right.
0: They're going to go out on a legacy. This is what they want to do because, like I say, next season, who knows what's going to happen. You're going to have a completely different team probably. And I'm not saying this hated on Golden State. I'm just being very honest. What are you going to do for your legacy? This is where it comes into play. Game three is going to be Wednesday night. What's going to happen there? Golden State's favored by five at the moment. Pad early predictions.
1: Uh, you know, I really don't know how this is going to go just because there's so many X factors there. Eh, 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 but. If you had to take me on my gut decision, I think it's going to be Golden State just because I think if you had that opportunity with everything going and working against the Golden State Warriors like we mentioned, Klay Thompson being out, Kevin Durant not playing, Steph Curry being sick, Andre Iguodala being being banged up and you still couldn't close them out, I'm not got a lot of faith in you.
0: This is where the psyche of the Raptors is going to be tested because you you gave away a game you should have won. Because let's mm-hmm. face it, the storyline here should be Toronto's up 2 nothing. Golden State should be feeling the pressure. Oh, yeah. This is not going to be the storyline. Golden State scrapped, and they showed why they are the champions. They showed why they have that mentality. They came out, they were down, they came back to take the lead, and they never let up, even as Toronto scrapped with them. I expect we're going to have the same kind of format here, but I am not doubting... A 10 point win for the Warriors okay. on Wednesday. I'm not doubting it. Even if you have Clay Thompson at 30% and he's hobbling on the court, he's still gonna pull up for some buckets.
1: I'll say it's kind of like what Steve Kerr said. Clay Thompson could be, have one leg and he'd still be on the court.
0: Exactly. So this is where Toronto needs somebody to step up. They need a Danny Green mm-hmm. to match him. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying you got if Clay's dropping twenty, Green's got to drop drop twenty, he's got drop fourteen. You
1: need something like that. You need a couple guys to step up and and really try to match Golden State. Because, you know, even like you said, Clay's at 30%. You need somebody to step up. It can't be the Kawhi show all the time. He needs other people.
0: Right. Because if Toronto has any shot to win this, who is going to be the next man up? Because Golden State's already shown you. That's how
1: they do. Yeah, yeah.
0: Guess what? Curry has one of his worst nights shooting. Mm -hmm. Worst nights possible. And yet. Who steps up? Iguodala. Yeah. And who was saying, oh, that they predicted that. Nobody was predicting that. So it's like the same goes, next man up. Exactly. Because when he's shooting 35%, that's what Curry shot. Mm-hmm.
1: And Clay is out the fourth quarter. Yeah. The game is almost gift-wrapped for we'll Toronto. Say the Splash Brothers are gone. You, If you can really put your foot on the gas and pull away from Golden State, they don't have the shooters like Curry and Thompson available at that point to really pull them back in it.
0: Right. This just goes to show you when you have a young team. And what I mean by a young team is Toronto has never been here before. No. This is a very new atmosphere for a lot of those guys. Kawhi has been here with the Spurs. Yeah. He knows what this takes to win. Yeah. Has everybody else. That's the question. And the answer right now is they don't know what to do. But they have to find out quick. Because if you go down 2-1 to Golden State, Mm -hmm. the series isn't over. No. But you're going to try telling me they're trying to win game four in the Oracle, is going to be an easy task. Oh, Lord, it ain't. You have got arguably two of your worst back-to-back games you have. You need game three. I don't think you're going to get game three. I want you to get game three as a fan, but as a realist, I think Golden State said, thank you for giving us life. And as they were saying to, quote-unquote, Aubrey, we'll see you in the Bay, Golden State is ready to get home. Mm -hmm. Golden State is ready to have their crowd behind them.
1: They're ready for a little home cooking.
0: Absolutely. And if you don't think Golden State is foaming at the mouth to get back to California. Oh, those fans are going to be loud. And that place is going to be rocking. If you have not seen a Golden State game, those fans are going to be showing up early. This is not like the Lakers where fans casually stroll in a little later than usual. No. This is going to be Golden State's going to be ready to go the midnight of that day. Mm -hmm. They're going to be down there. They're going to be ready to go. They're going to be ready to go absolutely bananas. And for Toronto, this is where Kawhi had better be on that team plane, talking to those guys and getting their heads right. Because if they don't have a chance, if they're not going to be ready to show up, he has to tell them, you know what, you have to leave game two with game two. It was a bad loss. And it was. Yeah. Even though they fought back and they and I think what was the last couple of minutes they outscored Golden State.
1: They outscored Golden State for the entire fourth quarter 24 to 21. Right, but I think like the final like 3 4 minutes
0: they outshot them. Yeah. Like I think they only held Golden State to three points, but guess what? Those last three points was the shots that killed
1: you. Mm-hmm. Andre Iguodala who's made like 900 three-pointers in his regular season career.
0: Right. This is where Toronto is going to be mentally tested. What do they have? And like I said, I gave you my prediction. I think Golden State beats them outright by 10 at the Oracle. I think Steph Curry, you he only shot 35% game two. Oh, I think he's going to do a little better mm-hmm. in game three. He's got that motivation. He's on his court. He To catch him on bad nights for a consecutive series, good luck. Back-to-back games is tough. It might happen, but I don't see it happening. No. And then Kevin Durant is on the bench. But if they start losing the game here and there, and let's say it gets to be 2-2, I wouldn't doubt Durant shows up. I wouldn't. But Golden State knows that if they can take the next two, the series is over mm-hmm. without question. But it all depends on how Toronto is going to show up. So Raptors fans, let me ask you this. How do your team come back? How does your team come back, rather? How do you do it? That is my question to you. Because you have a tough task at hand. We gave you our predictions about it. But what's your thoughts going into Game 3? What is your thoughts on these NBA Finals, ODPH Nation? Talk to us. Hit us on that hashtag. Hashtag ODPH. Let's talk a little basketball, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
1: Hey, what's going on, everybody?
0: This is George Gatton, and you are listening to the Ocho Duro Harley Hours Entertainment Edition. coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH podcast and there has been some great MMA action this past weekend. Oh my god, yeah, there was. UFC Stockholm. Woo! Woo. Did that ever deliver? Yes. Before we even get into the main card, we have to talk about one standout fight on the prelims,
1: Pat. Mm -hmm. Prelims. was uh, Like Ken said, it was on the prelims that aired on ESPN2. It was in the lightweight division between Leonardo Santos and Stevie Ray, where Leonardo Santos knocked out Stevie Ray with one of the nastiest knockout punches I've seen in a while, and then proceeded to pull a Tom Hardy from the Warrior and sprinted out of the octagon and back up the entryway towards the locker room.
0: You know it's going to be a great fight night when somebody is delivering and highlight real KOs in the prelims. Yeah, you just know, like you have a sense, like okay, the bar has been set mm-hmm. because everybody's saying all oh, the prelims. Everybody, some people don't tune in unless yeah. you're hardcore MMA fans. They're always worth watching, mm-hmm. and when you see a fight like this, it's like all right, game on, let's go, and here we go. Mm-hmm. And then we dive into the main card, and we did preview a couple fights. Now there was one last minute cancellation. Eli Latifi was pulled from the card, so the fight against Vulcan did not happen. Yep. So we are going to break down two, the co-main event and the main event, the two big fights that we highlighted a little bit. Alexander Rakic and Jimmy Manawa mm-hmm. fought. And Rakic had w- another
1: highlight real knockout in uh-huh. this one. That was a literal blink and you miss it. Pad, break it down. Yeah, so right in the first round, 47 seconds into the first round, uh, Alexander Rakic... Just gave one of the nastiest head kicks I've seen, uh, and knocked out Jimmy Manawa. Ah, you got to look up the highlight on on YouTube. It's insane.
0: Head, it was almost Miracle krokop like. Yeah, it was like yeah. right kick cemetery, and he just landed the shot, mm-hmm. and Manawa dropped. It was lights out, game
1: over. And yet again, we have another name now in the
0: light heavyweight
1: division. Mm -hmm. I remember that knockout hit. I immediately texted you and went, oh, my God, Rakic.
0: Yeah, Rakic is now 12-1, and and we have to throw his name in there with the Dominic Reyes and the Jimmy Walkers. Mm -hmm. We now have some up-and-coming talent that I am not saying he's ready for a title shot against John Jones. I am not saying that. I want to
1: stress that. It might be on the horizon.
0: He needs a few more fights going into this, but Rackick looked amazing in this fight, and Manawa announced his retirement after this fight, Yep, which makes a lot of sense. He's definitely had a lot of tread on the tires, and we wish him his best luck in his future endeavors. But this fight was definitely a statement fight for Rackick, and where does he go from here? To be honest with you, I think maybe he could step up and fight Vulcan. I know that yeah. Vulcan obviously did not fight on this card. That would make a lot of sense if they want to reschedule for down the road, but I think you guys got to start getting wrecked some competition in that top 10 division.
1: Yeah, and, I mean, you brought up Jimmy Manoa. It was his fourth consecutive loss, and uh, he said, quote, I've met a lot of great people, or excuse me, I've had a great martial arts career, and the last four fights have been tough, tough losses to take, not only for myself but for my family, who was always first. Uh, I've given out mostly knockouts and taken a few myself. That's my fan-loving style, but it takes a toll on the body, especially concussions, which are not visible to the eye.
0: Exactly, and that is very respectable to do because one thing that we as fans don't always appreciate is just when these fighters are going in there, this does have a lot to weigh on them Mm -hmm. down the road, and a lot with their physical and mental futures going forward. So obviously Manawa is realizing this and he's getting out where he feels is a good time. And I don't argue with that too. I mean, we saw another retirement with King Mo this past weekend, who's well known for strike force and Bellator fame. So obviously, with Manwa announcing his retirement, it makes a lot of sense. Mm-hmm. And it,
1: and it, for me, in, in not just MMA but sports in general, better to go out like on your own terms when people will still have a fond memory of you. He won't go down in the annals of MMA history as one of the best of all time. You know everything goes with that. But I think hardcore MMA fans will, you know, when his name comes up or they see his name on screen for like records or or you know flashbacks of fights i think mma fans by and large will go oh hey he, he was a good fun fighter to watch in his prime you know not one of the fighters you see where it's like all right no you really should have retired like five years ago
0: exactly you always hear his comment now about seeing bj Penn fight at this age and chuck mm-hmm. liddell fighting yeah. against tito. tito ortiz at this age manuel retiring at his age right now makes a lot of sense and that and he's obviously thinking long term so i can't argue with that and i respect that decision and as for Rackick Like I said, the fight that makes a lot of sense to me would have him against Vulcan Yeah, going down the road like however medical suspensions work out and whenever they want to book that fight. That fight makes a lot of sense because I think you could could throw him against a Dominic Reyes or a Jimmy Walker who I heard was medically cleared this week to fight. Either one of those fights would make sense too, but I'd say let's go see what he's got against Vulcan. I think that that would be a really fun fight to watch. And, I've, obviously, I've been pushing for Reyes versus Walker. I think that fight needs to happen. Both these guys are the young undefeateds in the division, so let's see what they got. Now let's go to the
1: main event. Mm-hmm. Alexander Gustafson versus Anthony Lionheart Smith. We'll say in the deep in the heart of uh, Gustafson country because when Gustafson came out, heroes welcome. Uh, when Anthony Smith came out, uh, not so much. I did appreciate, because I did, wasn't aware of this, the commentary team saying uh, the whole week leading up to the fight, Anthony Smith said that the crowd wasn't going to boo him. Uh, they booed him to the nines.
0: Oh, exactly. And he knew that. And I'm sure he was just playing yeah. that out. No, off he me. was. I loved it, though. It was yeah. great. I will say this Smith, in all his interviews, I've really liked his honesty and I've really liked what he's had to say. He's, he's been very honest in critiquing himself after the John Jones yeah. fight. And just going into this fight, too, there was a lot of pressure on him mm-hmm. and Gustafson as well, because Gustafson is in arguably the greatest MMA fight in UFC history. That is him and John Jones. Fight one. Mm -hmm. And you can argue about, is that the greatest fight ever? Some people do think it. I do not. I think it was a great fight. It was a good fight. I don't think it was number one of all time, in my opinion. I give that to Shogun Hendo. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, For me, that is number one. Yeah. And I will go back and forth with people about this. Regardless, we get into the fight. Anthony Smith is coming off his John Jones defeat. Where does he go from here? Was he a flash in the pan? Is there still something left for him to go push himself to be a champion? As we get into the fight pad, break it down for us.
1: Well, so, yeah, you get through the fight. They're going back and forth. It was really, For me, it was really hard to tell who was winning one way or the other. Like you had, It was pretty equally matched, at least when I was watching. And then you get to the fourth round where Anthony Smith defeated Alexander Gustafson by a reared naked choke submission.
0: Right, which I was very shocked to see. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad I saw Smith do something other than a knockout. Because he does have some great knockouts as he was working his way to the John Jones fight. He was tearing through and knocking everybody out. So to see his developing ground game, I think, can only help him down the road. And as for Gustafson, he decided to announce his retirement at the end. And he said that he really just wasn't feeling the urge to fight anymore. And honestly, I can understand that as well, too. I mean, he's definitely had his string of injuries through the years, but he's always been a great fighter to watch and see. And if he doesn't have the urge to fight anymore, doesn't have that drive to go, He's leaving on a high note. Even though he lost, yeah. he's still leaving on a high note. He had his rematch against John, so at least he doesn't have to say what could have, should have, would have. Yeah. No, he, I mean, obviously he didn't go his way, but. No. And he still decided to go for another fight, and if he's not feeling that he wants to fight, let him go out on his own.
1: Yeah, he clearly feels he's left everything on the table, that there are no regrets in his mind of, all. Oh, I wish I could have done this or I wish I could have done that. He's also going out a hero in front of his home crowd where he got cheered. Right.
0: So now we say, what's next for Anthony Smith? And there is one name, and one name only I want to hear fighting him. Okay. Luke Rockhold. Okay. I don't want to see him fight anybody else. I want this grudge match. They have been talking so much trash. Smith wants time off. Great. Let's give it to him. Rockhold, I believe, has a fight coming up on the John Jones card, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, I believe so. So whatever happens there... As soon as they're both ready to go, you put them in the cage and you let them go. Mm -hmm. That is what I want to see. I don't need to see him go against one of these young guns right now. No, I want this grudge match. You want the ratings. You like the smack talk. You want that build of animosity. And Rockhold thinks he's going to walk right to the 205 division title. Good luck. Get right in Smith's face and watch what happens. You think that he was just a flash in the pan that he couldn't do it. He's developing a ground game. Mm Mm-hmm. This is now going to be a very scary fighter when he starts putting that time in. If he yeah. wants And like I said, he was saying he wanted to take some time off. And he obviously stepped in to fight John for the belt. Okay. can't yeah. argue. I can't argue that. But now, if he gets some time off, he gets a full camp in. And whatever happens with Rockhold is going to happen with Rockhold. If both those fighters are ready to go, you make that fight. And then let's see. Is Rockhold really going to be a contender at 205 or is this just a flash in the pan? is Smith now going to be making his run back to the title shot? This would make a lot of sense there too. Both these guys are names. Both these guys will draw. Both these guys can definitely make a statement fight in the 205 division because especially when you have all these young guns on the rise trying to see who's going to be the next one to fight John Jones, unless he decides to vacate or he loses to Santos, this is where you decide to answer that question. And I could definitely see the winner of Smith and Rockhold take on the winner of Walker Reyes, if I'm doing fantasy booking, mm-hmm. then you give that winner to John. Yeah, if Smith wins, he's beating two top contenders. Can't argue it. If Rockhold does, same thing. Yeah, for Reyes or Walker, yeah, you're skyrocketing right to the top. But you know what? That's happened before. I mean, you think about when John Jones got the call up because Rashad Evans, I believe, was injured. Yep, and he had that standoff or that match against Bader, who Bader was undefeated at the time. Mm-hmm. That was a Young Gun Eliminator, if I can call it that. And then look what happens. It all about the opportunity you make and for going forward. That fight makes so much sense to me with Smith and Rockhold. Put them in there and let him go. You want to see what you got at Rockhold? This is a great test. Find out what you can do at 205. So that being said, there are some great fights that happen at Stockholm. But we have to comment that we officially have a fight happening in September. Mm-hmm. Pad.
1: Uh, it's one Habib Nur- Nurmagomedov versus Dustin Poirier taking place in Abu Dhabi.
0: So this fight is locked and loaded. No last-minute counter hijinks. I'll say
1: this this was announced by Dana White uh, this afternoon uh, as we record on SportsCenter on ESPN. So this is official. This isn't rumored innuendo. No, this is happening.
0: And this is the fight to make. This is what you need to do. There is not going to be a legacy like at a last-minute counter run-in. I know that there was a lot of internet buzz saying if Tony Ferguson defeats uh, Cowboy Cerrone, he should get in that fight right away. Yeah. No, Poirier has got this fight. He's definitely earned it. This fight is going to be something to see. Both these guys are going to have a full camp. Mm-hmm. I am just hoping both of them stay healthy. Yeah. So we have this fight. Yeah. Early predictions. Do you have any, Pat? The
1: uh, Habib by knockout. Wow. At least that's, that's my gut feeling right off the bat. Wow, out the gate. Habib fights bears. Habib until, is, until somebody fights like a giant sperm whale or something, <laughs> you know, whatever ends up. Bl- me. bless you. Whatever you know, something that's bigger and tougher than a bear. Like if somebody fought, like a video comes out that they fought lions or something like that. Eh, Habib,
0: I will say this: I don't really have an early prediction because normally I would say Habib because I think Habib currently is the pound for pound guy mm-hmm. right now. I think it's him, and then D- Demetrius Johnson is right behind him. I'll, I'll stick to that. But with that being said, I don't doubt Poirier. Oh, neither do I. Poirier will come in. He will scrap. He's looked amazing since returning to 155. He even looked good as one, a 145-er. So this is his time. If he's going to make the run, he's going to make the run. He's definitely risen up in the ranks. He's definitely fought everybody they've thrown at him. And I know his name kind of gets lost in the shuffle lock because he's, mm-hmm. not, he's not a brash trash talker like Connor is. He doesn't have you know, the opponent pedigree per se that Khabib does. Because Khabib has fought everybody they put in front of him, and he's oh, yeah. mauled him. Mm-hmm. Straight up mauled him. Oh, yeah, Poirier has been in some classic fight of the nights. And dare I say, he's won and he's lost. He still scraps. He reminds me of one Michael Bisbing in that sense that even if you won or lost, you keep coming back. And I think that's where the comparisons will stop there, obviously knowing both fighters as such. This is where Poirier needs to shine. This is where he needs to really take advantage of the spotlight you're in and don't get too caught up in the hype. Yeah. Because I think the one thing that Habib has now developed is that Anderson Silva mythos. A little bit. Where you, just, you, you almost psych yourself out because you know you're fighting one of the greatest fighters of all time. Mm-hmm. And for some fighters, they can't get over that mystique. They lose their train of thought. You even take a look backtracking a little bit now to Anthony Smith. yeah and his fight against John Jones and he he didn't come out and say it, but you kind of had that vibe. He knew he bought into the hype of John. And what John brings to the table. Well, yeah.
1: And, and you know, the entire, you know, weeks and months leading up to this fight, all Dustin Poirier is going to hear about when he does interviews is about Habib and what happened with Connor at their fight and all the nonsense that took place after that fight. You the, you know, like, the, yes, you'll have your questions. Oh, how's camp going? What are your plans against, you know, the, what are your plans about against Habib? Yeah, the, the usual questions. But there's going to be the equal, if not greater amount of questions. Oh, hey, what are you going to do if something happens like uh, during the Habib Connor fight?
0: Yeah, exactly. This is where Poirier needs to figure this out, and he has enough time to game plan, too. Mm-hmm. I will give my official ODPH prediction later on down the road, but the fact that this fight has now been signed, sealed, delivered, the only thing now is both fighters, please stay healthy. Yes. Nothing crazy in your camps. Don't go fighting Bears. Just stay focused on the fight at hand because the fight fans want to see this. Yes. We came off a great weekend with UFC Stockholm. Let's keep that momentum going. When we come back from break, we have to preview UFC 238. You are listening to the Ocho Duro Parlay It's a hot Coming back on this edition of the ODPH podcast, and we got to talk some more UFC, shall we? Mm-hmm. UFC 238 is taking place this weekend. Mm-hmm. Big fight card, big fights on it. Pad, let's break it down, shall we?
1: So, yes, as Ken mentioned, uh, this Saturday, June 28th, from the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. Big card, big city. Big expectations. 238 uh, headlining is Henry Cejudo versus Marlon Mora- Moraes uh, for the vacant UFC Bantamweight Championship. Uh, your co-main event will be Valentina Shevchenko versus Jessica I for the Women's Flyweight Championship. And then you have Tony Ferguson versus Donald Cerrone. Uh, oh, boy, oh, boy, and it gets better and better. You've got Jimmy is also on the card versus Peter Yan. And then you've got Ty Tuyas Vasa versus Blegoy Ivanov uh, rounding out the main card.
0: All right, let's just jump in with the top three, shall we? Mm-hmm. Let's kick it off. The What should be the main event, in my opinion, but it's not, and it's not a disrespect to the two main events because this fight, in my opinion, should be a main event on a UFC fight night. And
1: that is Tony Ferguson versus Cowboy Cerrone. I'll say, funny you mentioned that it's kind of your main event. Uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for UFC 238 here, and of course, anyone can edit Wikipedia whenever they want. Uh, particularly after sporting events, it's real fun to look at. Uh, somebody has gone ahead and edited the fight card for uh, this this event, and if you look at, it says lightweight Tony Ferguson versus Donald Cerrone, and then there's a note here. It says C, and when I look down to C, it says C, the people's main event.
0: Yeah, this is. And I don't argue with that. And like I said, I'm not disrespecting the four fighters ahead of it. I'm not. But when this fight was made, I think everybody had thought, oh, wow, this is going to main event a fight night. Mm-hmm. This was literally jumping in. So the fact that it's a third fight on a stacked card, bravo to the UFC. Yeah. Bravo. But you should have made this one five rounds. That's my only argument with this unless something crazy happens. But man, oh, man, oh, man. This is got... Big, big, big implications. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to be popping in the microphone. I'm actually standing far away from it as I'm yelling this. Donald Cowboy Cerrone is having his renaissance, his uh, quote-unquote dad strength. Mm -hmm. Hashtag. Since uh, obviously becoming a father, he is undefeated. He has looked phenomenal. No slow start in this for him as his return. He has been coming in and just putting on display, handling young guns, taking on some veterans. Definitely coming off his last fight wasn't the best performance, but he pulled it out, and luckily he did because now he steps in there with one Tony Ferguson.
1: Yeah, who's no slouch.
0: Who is no slouch, who arguably is the uncrowned lightweight champion. I know you can say interim all you want, but let's face it, it's Habib's world, and we just live in it as far Mm -hmm. as the 155 division goes according to the ODPH. But still, Ferguson is a nasty fighter. Nasty. Nasty. Definitely has put on some displays against Anthony Showtime Pettis. Has had the injury bug. Otherwise, we would have had Habib versus Ferguson many, many years ago. Mm -hmm. I still have not forgotten. I know that we have come close to like six days from that glorious fight from happening, but sadly it is not. But I am just saying everybody stay healthy going into this week. This fight cannot get canceled by any means. Pad. Breaking it down, who you got and why.
1: Well, it's going to be a real tough fight. I mean, yes, we know Donald Cerrone is undefeated since uh, have becoming a father, but it's no easy task. It's Tony Ferguson. I'm looking at his uh, mixed martial arts record. His last loss was to one Michael Johnson uh, by unanimous decision way back when on May 5th, 2012. Right. So it's it's been a hot minute since he lost. You know, it's not going to be, and in that time, he's he's fought some notable names, Edson Barbosa, Kevin Lee, uh, Rafael Dos Anos, Anthony Pettis. You know, it's not going to be easy, but I think i got to give the slight, ever so slight nudge to Tony Ferguson.
0: It's going to be a great fight, bar none. The one thing you can bang on is it's going to be a great fight. Mm-hmm. Both fighters are going to show up. Both fighters are going to bite their mouthpieces and get in there and go at it. This is not going to be one that everybody's going to say, oh, somebody's going to be dancing around for 15 minutes. I just don't see that happen.
1: No, this is one where, like, you go to the bathroom before the fight because you don't want to miss a minute of it. Right. So that being said,
0: I am going to go with the upset. I am picking Cowboy Cerrone, and I will break okay. down why. Cerrone, since he has left Greg Jackson's camp, he has now been training out of Colorado, he has looked like a completely different fighter. He just has a newfound focus to him. He has looked sharp. He has looked like whatever the case was during his last title run at 155, he has really refocused what he has done wrong, and he is now looking like almost like a completely different fighter. The only argument that you could say is his last fight, he did start out slow. And if he yeah. does if he does that against Ferguson, it's gonna be a quick night for him. But I think he understands the gravity of the situation. Ferguson is going to come out the gate. He's going to want to apply pressure quick and early and smother Cerrone, not give him time to set up the kick-punch combo. He is going to want to get in there and make it an ugly fight. Cerrone welcomes that. But what Cerrone needs to do is implement his will early. you got to knock Ferguson back a little bit. You, got, you can't let him set the pace. If Cerrone lets him set the pace, the fight's done. The fight will be over. Cerrone needs to get in there, land some shots early, keep the distance, and just work his angles and his combos. If he can do this, and I think he can because I think that he knows that if he wins this, he will be in line for the next shot. I know he hates waiting, but if he wins this fight, you can't say that he's now not the number one contender. As for Ferguson, he understands what's on the on the line here, too, and there's no question of that. He knows that he has Habib Poirier winner lined up. He wants that fight badly, and he should have it because there's no other way he's going to get to Habib unless he beats Cerrone. No way. They've already tried booking that fight
1: numerous times. Yeah. I don't
0: know how you're going to do it again
1: and put him and, in like crisis sleep or you know whatever free sleep
0: man I don't, I don't i just don't know how you're gonna do it
1: i really don't like i want to see this fight i want to see ferguson yeah. versus habib don't get it twisted i want
0: to see this fight yeah i just don't know how we're gonna pull this off because i'm getting hurt every time we get in schedule somebody gets hurt i'm like a freak thing too mm-hmm. but that being said if ferguson beats serone yeah he's the number one contender I get you can throw Donald or I mean Conor McGregor in that mix if you want to fight the winner of this one. And yeah, that'd be a great fight too. But honestly, both these guys are talking belt. They're not talking payday. No. If you want to fight Conor at this stage, it is a payday fight. Uh, yeah. But realistically, what else is there? For Cerrone, he's made his money. He's arguably one of the most recognizable faces in all of MMA. Let's face it. Yeah, he's been nominated for SBs. He has risen his stock. Everybody kind of knows he shows up to fight cards in weight, just in case somebody can't show up. He wants to fight. That's all he's concerned about. His legacy. It's not about the payday. Ferguson knows that there is a lot of naysayers out there that are saying, "Well, it's Habib's division," and who is Ferguson? I say it's Habib's division, but I don't forget who Tony Ferguson is. No. So that being said, they gotta show up and scrap. I do like Cerrone by decision, but this is gonna be bloody. This is gonna be close. This is gonna be a split decision. I'll even go that far.
1: Say somebody might lose a tooth, a tooth or two. This is
0: gonna be one. Don't get up. Don't blink. This is gonna be nonstop action. I'm not gonna say Mm -hmm. a knockout, but you're gonna see some shots get landed. And like I said, this can go either way. But I am gonna say Cerrone by split decision. That's my gut feeling on this.
1: To the co-main event. hmm uh, It's for, like I said, it's for the women's f- flyweight championship. It's between champion Valentina Shevchenko and challenger Jessica I.
0: Shevchenko has looked great in yeah. the flyweight division, so I think that it's going to be a tough task for I to pull off. Yeah. I will definitely scrap with her. I will show up. She will definitely impose her will as well. But Shevchenko just looks really good at this division i mean this is where it kind of seems that she fits and it really is going to be her division i think until further notice yeah i mean just taking a look at her fight record pad
1: i mean yeah shevchenko has won her last two fights uh last fight being uh joanna jerjechik at ufc 231 uh, where she won the vacant flyweight championship and before that it was against priscilla uh caro uh where she defeated her by rear naked choke and before that it was a loss to amanda Nunes by split decision at ufc 215 but in that before that she beat juliana pena she beat holly holm uh sarah kaufman you know she's just been on a run with some notable names and i flipped to the jessica i won okay she's won her last three fights but prior to that she lost like four in a row.
0: Right. Shevchenko has definitely stepped up, and, and obviously she looked great against Jurjechek, even though Jurjechek stepped up to fight her. Right. Instead of staying down a straw strawweight. But that being said, I mean, if your last loss is against Manda Nunez, that's nothing to sneeze at that you went split with her. Yeah. So I do like Shevchenko in this one. I think... Depending on who wants to step up or step down in the women's uh, strawweight or bantamweight division, respectively, it's going to be her division at flyweight for a while. Yeah. That's my early prediction on this. Um, I could see this one ending with a a stoppage. I could definitely see this one being maybe a fourth-round TKO-type deal by you know stoppage due to punches. I don't know. Uh-huh. But that's kind of my gut, but I do like Shevchenko in this
1: one. Yeah, well, no, I'm I'm the same way. You know, no offense to Jessica I, but it's just for now until I see otherwise. If it's Shevchenko's division and everybody else is just fighting in it. Now we get
0: to the main event, the vacant bantamweight title. Mhm. Uh-huh. Senri- Henry sahuto against Marlon Moraes. Moraes is no joke. No. Moraes will definitely scrap. He's definitely got a great fight record.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, he's won his. He's got a record of twenty two, five and one. He's won his last uh, four fights in a row, uh, defeating notable names such as, such as uh, Jimmy Rivera and John Dodson.
0: Right. So obviously, in the Bantamweight division, this is going to be a huge, huge step up for him. We all know Cejudo stepped up. He defeated T J Dillashaw. Yeah. In. And-
1: yeah, he's had a run of himself. Even if you're not aware of it, I mean, he beat T.J. Dillashaw in his last fight. Uh, he, before that, he beat Demetrius Johnson, and before that, it was Sergio Pettis. So Hudo is no joke. No, he's not a joke. At the it, like,
0: I know a lot of people sleep on him. And they shouldn't.
1: He's almost like George R.R. Martin in that, like, the running joke with George R.R. Martin in the Game of Thrones book is, oh, you have a favorite character? Here, let me beat him. Henry Cejudo almost feels like the same way of, oh, you have a favorite fighter? Here, let me go beat him. Well, he sent
0: shockwaves through the entire MMA community when he defeated Demetrius Johnson. Yeah. And albeit, that was a close fight. That was an extremely close fight. hmm So the fact he pulled the win off, There were some doubters. I will admit, I was one of them. Yeah. I I do not shy away from saying this. But Cejudo didn't even blink, and he said, hey, TJ Dillashaw, you want to step up and you want to fight somebody? I'll step up and do it. And he beat Dillashaw outright. Yep. I think he's going to be a problem at bantamweight. I mean, we don't know officially what the deal is going to be with the men's flyweight division. If it's dead in the water, if they're still going to have it, we don't know. This is for the bantamweight title. Mm Mm-hmm. Cejudo is no joke. He is going to wrestle. He is going to grind. He is going to win this one ugly if he's going to win it, and I do like him to win this.
1: Yeah, so do I. I mean, to me, I just look at the record, and I look at his last four fights. Uh, Henry Cejudo is on a destroy everyone tour. Like, if you're a name and you're you're within range of me making weight and fighting you, yeah, you're on my list.
0: And you know what? This fight makes a lot of sense. Nothing against Moraes, though.
1: No, God, no.
0: No, he's definitely going to show up, and he's going to welcome Sohudo to that division. This is going to be an ugly fight, and I mean that in the best sense. I think both these guys are going to bring their A-games to the table. I just like Sohudo right now. Yeah, no, that,
1: yeah, like you said, nothing against Moraes. He's a very good fighter. It's just he has the unfortunate r- unfortunate, you know, timing of running into a buzzsaw.
0: But you know what? He's not backing down from him. And oh, he, God, and, no. And, and you know what? He should be in this fight. I don't question him getting this opportunity. And a lot of people are saying, well, Sohudo's jumping up. Sahuto beat the champ. He beat Dillashaw, who was running through everybody at bantamweight. Mm-hmm. So now this fight makes a lot of sense. And Cejudo at that weight, I think, is going to be a problem. I really do. This is going to be a definite fun night of fights to watch. hmm We gave you our predictions. UFC 238 will be on ESPN Plus in the States this Saturday night. Yep. So if wherever you're watching, hit us up on that hashtag. You know our social media. If you don't, check out OchoDuroParleyHour.com. We have all our links on our page. Hit us up with that hashtag, ODPH. Give us your predictions. What do you think is coming to UFC 238? We want to know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. The ODPH is proud sponsors of RoboCon 2019. happening in September 28th and 29th. Don't miss out on Binghamton, New York's biggest sci-fi, fantasy, and gaming convention of the year. For badge details and more info, check out Robercon.org. Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. Pad, kick us off with that local minute.
1: Well, of course, local minute. we got to talk a little Binghamton Rumble Ponies news. Uh, while we were recording last week, they were in the midst of a three-game series against Richmond where they won all three games, swept them. Uh, they returned home for a couple of games against Portland. Uh, they lost their first game on Friday. Ugly, we were at that game. Uh, all I'm going to say about that game, there was a position player pitching for the Rumble Ponies by the end of the game, and if you know anything about baseball, that's not a good thing. Yep. Uh, they were supposed to have a doubleheader on Saturday. They got the first game in and lost uh, by the final score of seven to eight. They could not, unfortunately, play game two, game two due to rain. Uh, so they scheduled that game to be part of a doubleheader on Sunday. And again, they got game one in where they lost by a final score of five to six. Could not get game two in due to rain. So that game will be made up at a later date. Uh, and then they are now in the midst of a three-game series against Harrisburg uh, before they head to Hartford and have a three-game series against them this weekend. Before before they return home next week starting july 11th for a three-game series at home against the trenton thunder and then that uh, same weekend they will have a three-game series against altoona for more uh, information bingrp.com So let's
0: round those bases, shall we, Pat?
1: Yeah, of course, we've got to talk a little uh, baseball, but not anything recent, of course. Uh, A little baseball history took place on this date as we record. Uh, For any of you familiar with baseball, on June 4th, 1974, the Cleveland Indians hosted the the Texas Rangers in what would become arguably the most infamous promotion in sports history. And I'm talking globally, Mm -hmm. because what happened that night is 10-cent beer night. Yeah. yeah, you heard me right uh, for that night. They were, were the folks at the Cleveland Indian Stadium were offering beer for a whopping 10 cents. Uh, one of the more notable quotes is someone who went to the game said, quote, I went with two dollars in my pocket. You do the math. Uh, Sports Center did a great video on this a couple of years ago for the 40th anniversary. You can find it on YouTube uh, if you search uh, 10 cent beer night Sports Center," where they interviewed a lot of people from the game. Uh, what ended up happening, if I remember the video correctly, is. They actually ran out of beer because, well, when you offer beer for $0.10, you're going to attract a lot of people who like drinking and can drink a lot. They ran out of beer, which then ensued to a sued to a riot where fans were streaming onto the field the game ended up getting called and if i remember correctly the uh indians ended up losing the game because well they couldn't get the indians fans off of the field and the sports center video has a great moment where they interview the head groundskeeper for the the home team there the indians where he came out out onto the field after kind of everything was all said and done with and home plate was gone like not it's eight rows up in in the stands or out in the left center field or something like that no it's just gone So, yeah, one of the more wilder moments in baseball history, and if you're not too familiar with it, I highly recommend you check out that SportsCenter video because it's a wild watch.
0: It's always crazy when baseball does their wacky promotions, Mm -hmm. but Tenzin Beer Night is never a good idea. Yeah. Not a ball game. No. No. Rather do, like, Excite Wrestling coming to the Rumble Ponies in Mm -hmm. September. That will be a good promotion. Yes. Otherwise, uh, to be determined. Yep. So going into my bases, we got to talk a little cocky briefly because Stanley Cup playoffs are happening. It's Boston and St. Louis. The series is now tied at two. A games apiece. They're going into game five, and I haven't been talking a lot of hockey on here because I've been too focused on Blue Shirt Nation getting that number two pick. So I am super excited for that. But it's been some great hockey going on. But the biggest upset that we have not been talking about, and we need to, we addressed this on last week's show because mm-hmm. we were saying the boxing needs to make the fight between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder. Yep, that fight needed to happen many moons ago, and they haven't been able to pull the trigger. Wilder has a rematch against Ortiz coming up and then Tyson Fury after that and then this past Saturday Anthony Joshua was boxing at Madison Square Garden on the mm-hmm. zone or DAZN, however you wanted to call it against one Andy Ruiz who was a one-month replacement fighter yep who stepped in was a plus 1100 underdog and what happened pad uh he not he knocked out Anthony Joshua for the win he beat Anthony Joshua for the win. Uh-huh. The Arguably the biggest upset in boxing history since Buster Douglas, Mike Tyson. Yep. Without question. Without question. There wasn't a bigger upset in recent memory. And dare I say in all of sports right now, Mr. Ruiz has etched his name into history. I know he was taking a lot of you know viral shaming, so to speak, because he doesn't look like a typical fighter and he was DX in his way after the match when he won but guess what he's the
1: champ. I'll say when and if he loses the the title he will forever be introduced as former heavyweight champion.
0: Yeah, that's all he needs to have and that's all he needs to say on his resume. There is nothing else he needs other than that because guess what he proved every single naysayer wrong and now boxing's biggest heavyweight title fight that could happen is now completely up in smoke. Mm -hmm. Wilder Joshua was the fight boxing needed. There was no question about it. Sure, Wilder Fury was a great fight, but was it the one that was going to be the big headline fight with Anthony Joshua, who is arguably one of the pound-for-pound best fighters on the planet against Deontay Wilder, undefeated knockout artist? No, we don't have that now. Ruiz has thrown a wrench in the entire scheme of things, and boxing just has to look at itself and go, What happened? This is just completely wild to have seen. Ruiz came in. He has now etched his name in the history books the movie is probably coming.
1: Oh, guaranteed. With with a story like this, Disney's going to come calling. The other thing, too, is we were talking last week about the potential fight between Joshua and, and uh, Wilder and how we were saying, listen, we don't, we couldn't figure out why they hadn't agreed to fight. you got to strike while the iron is hot because you don't know what's going to happen. Now, obviously, when we were talking last week, well, we were talking injuries because, let's be honest, as we said last week, injuries are a thing that happens and you never know what's going to happen. That also goes true for how the outcome is going to go. A lot of people figured Anthony Joshua was going to win, and you look at the betting odds and what they were before the fight. He was a landslide to win. Yeah, he should. He should have won outright. He, he should have won outright, but he didn't. And now the potential fight and all the money he could have made with you know the potential fight with Wilder, up in smoke.
0: Exactly. Wilder had a tweet out right after the fight. Quote: He wasn't a true champion. His whole career was consistent of lies, contradictions, and gifts. Facts. And now we know who was running from who. Hashtag till this day. Wilder's not wrong. No and now i know they've invoked the rematch clause with ruiz and joshua so that fight's going to be happening sometime near the year's end but the luster is gone even if joshua wins and they do book wilder joshua now
1: is the the mystique is gone right cuz it's not going to be you know all the two best fighters in boxing right now going at it it's going to be this one guy who's really good at boxing and then casual fans who aren't you know the biggest diehard boxing fans who might, you know, they might know some names and they might remember some things. They're gonna see Anthony Joshua and go, hey, wait a minute, wasn't he that guy who got knocked out by the guy who really doesn't look like a fighter?
0: Exactly. And is it fair? No, but let's say it's honest. It's it is because we have to say it's honest. Ruiz did something that was unexpected and threw a complete monkey wrench into all the big plans that was coming down the pike. And for Wilder and Joshua, the mega fight the luster's gone. It's gone. So now you got to think, okay, what's next? Well, Wilder Fury is the biggest heavyweight title fight they can do uh-huh. if they want to go that route. But you, you can book Ruiz Wilder, sure. Can magic happen twice? That's a heck of a spin job. I don't know if it can. I mean, it's depending if Ruiz, if this was a one-time thing, can he go and can he knock out Joshua again? And if he does, then maybe you book Wilder Ruiz and then see what happens there. But for me... The luster is gone. Boxing is still in the shadow of MMA, in my opinion, because they couldn't pull this fight off in the prime. And now is there any real buzz about this fight to be made? No. Exactly. What else can you say about that? What else can we say about this episode? Because that's all we got for this week. So hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPH. Join in the conversation. Talk to us in between episodes because we have a lot to discuss. For Padawan J. Thank you, thank you. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time.